But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? These questions were not composed in our generation, but they were put forth by a, a man that was a great thinker, a man named Job, hundreds of generations ago. He said, where is, where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? It's still being asked. It's still a question before the thinkers of our day. Where is the place of understanding? Where shall wisdom be found? is generally thought that it's to be found in schools. But when you stop to think about it, it isn't found there. This has been amply proven in our generation, it seems, if it's never been proven before. That doesn't bring wisdom. The attendance at school and going from class to class so Job asked this question, and we might ponder it tonight. Where could it be found? Listen, the next verses. This is from the 28th chapter of Job. He said, Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, It is not in me. The sea saith, It is not in me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. You can't buy it. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of rubies, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it, neither shall it be valued with pure gold. And then he asked the question again, Whence then cometh wisdom? And where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air, Destruction and death say we have heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understandeth the way thereof. Job answered the question. God understandeth the way thereof and knoweth the place thereof. He said, for he looketh to the ends of the earth, that is God, he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the wind, and he weigheth the waters by measure. These things are just right, amazing. Someone might say there's too much water. No, no, there's just the right amount, just the right proportion. He weighs the wind. Man was a long time discovering that the atmosphere weighs something. 
and the wind has a force behind it. When he made a decree for the rain and for a way for the lightning of the thunder, then did he see it and declare it. He prepared it, yea, he searched it out, and unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. The Lord put it down into a few simple words. Lifetimes have been spent in the searching for it, but Job, under the inspiration of the Lord, said, God has the secret of it. God knows the place thereof. And to man, he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. I don't think people learn that in school. I don't know what course they would take or what instructor would tell them that. But it's so plain here in the Word of God. It's given. It's so elementary in the Word of God. Think of all man's learning and searching. And yet, the formula is so simple. The Spirit of the Lord calls. Calls us and entreats us to search after wisdom, to secure the things of, of man. No. But to that simple place, to meet God. Meet God. Man cannot depart from iniquity in his own strength. He can't do that in his own ability. But God in His wisdom made a way in which it's possible for man to be free from that iniquity and to depart from evil and to have that true wisdom of God. That true wisdom here on earth. And live by that formula every day. In Proverbs, the first chapter of Proverbs, it says, Wisdom crieth without. She utters her voice in the street. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gate. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity, and ye scorners delight in scorning, and the fool hate knowledge? Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. This would be the departing from simplicity and from ignorance and from stupidity, if we might use that word, and turn to true wisdom. Every evidence is around us that ought to lead us that way. Brother Katie sang here at the prelude that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And he told in that song of, of the evidences of God that are around about us. And he said, indeed, he is a fool to say that there is no God. I brought up in Sunday school class this morning the fact that, as I understand it, I've never researched it, but God in his creation never made two leaves on any tree exactly alike. Put that leaf under the microscope and compare it with another leaf. Pick it where you want. You will not find two 
exactly alike. You can take the crystal of the snowflake that falls, and you won't find two exactly alike under the microscope. Well, now, is that just accidental that it happens to be that way? It's just uh, one of those things? No. I think there's a designer behind every bit of God's creation, down to the smallest detail. Two people are not exactly alike, are they? They don't have exactly the same fingerprints. There's a difference in every one of us. There's a, there's a creator. There's a God, an infinite creator. When I brought that up in Sunday school class, a man said, I used to work in a gravel pit. And someone said, see if you can find two pebbles exactly alike. Can't be found. God designed the pebbles. It doesn't just happen to be that way. God designs it that way. God ordained it. God planned it. God's plan is tremendous. We heard this morning about, and He put the stars out there. He made the stars also. And He doesn't number them like man numbers them, but He calls them all by name. Where is wisdom? Where is man's wisdom? Where is man's learning compared to God's wisdom? To true wisdom. We have a divine Creator. We have a, a divine plan for our lives. If we can just submit to the will of God, God will work out His will in our lives. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, brings out these words. But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. We preach Christ crucified. He didn't, un he didn't get that in school, although he had good schooling. He had the benefit of a good education. But he didn't learn that there. If he learned anything there, he learned to fight against the fact that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was crucified. But by revelation of God, by coming in contact with God, by turning from his sin and from his iniquity and making contact with God, he found true wisdom. And that wisdom was we preach Christ and him crucified to the Jews it was a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it was foolishness. But to those who believe, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. The greatest event that ever happened in this world was when Jesus was crucified. We've seen some traumatic events in our lifetime. But the greatest event this world has ever seen was the event when Jesus died on Calvary. That was the biggest event. Oh, his birth at Bethlehem. Well, yes, that had, to, that had to go before it. But it all led up to this one event and this one thing. It all led forward to Calvary where Jesus was crucified. How many people put much value on that? How many institutions of learning put much emphasis on that event that happened back there uh, almost 2,000 years ago now, and how and what relation that has on people today. 
how many people are teaching that in school? I don't know, but I fear not much. But this is what Paul preached, and this is what we preach, and by the help and grace of God, we want to preach it until the Lord calls us home. Jesus Christ and Him crucified under the Jews' assembling block, under the Greeks' foolishness, under the wise of this world, pure nonsense, but under them that believe the power of God and the wisdom of God, the means of salvation, the means of having the real wisdom to be able to depart from iniquity and to have that true wisdom that Job spoke about, the very means by which it's possible to have it. We can depart from iniquity when we repent of our sins, when we look to Calvary and realize that Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, died there on that cross in our place and in our stead. When we come in that attitude of mind, when we come in that, uh, that uh, belief of faith in Him as our Savior and as, our, as the one who makes the atonement for us, then a transaction happens within our lives, within our hearts. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. We hear testimony that people's lives were suddenly changed. There was a transformation. Something happened. It all goes back to the fact that Jesus died on Calvary, that He was crucified. This is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Man has devised many means of making power, and they're tremendous. And we've seen so much advancement in it in our lifetime. And the power, uh, uh, the forces of power that they have controlled and been able to manage to, to take a, a persons in a, in a capsule and lift them off of this earth and project them clear out and place them on the moon. That takes a good deal of power. We can't deny it. But the power of God is great. Far greater. The power of God. The power of God can transform a life hopelessly on the way to a lost eternity and change the whole course of the life. Put that person on the pathway to heaven. Make him a new creature. Give him power to go and sin no more. Why, we preach Christ, Him crucified, the wisdom of God and the power of God. Aren't you glad we do? Still being preached tonight. Still the possibility is there. The Spirit calls. The Spirit of the Lord calls. He entreats you. Come now. Come now. Find that true wisdom. Search in the world all you want. Go as far as you want in the educational circle. You won't find this there. But come to Calvary. Come to Calvary. By faith. Come to this place. This is where the true wisdom is found. Live a Christian life. I mean a consistent, holy Christian life. A life above sin every day. Live to please the Lord. Let everything of your actions be regulated by the will of God. Let, uh, let your prayer be every morning. Let everything that I do be pleasing in your sight today. This is true wisdom. This, is, this will pay in this life and in the life to come. Here's the source. Job sought after it. Job knew it was there. Job proposed the question 
square. And where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? And then the conclusion of that chapter, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from iniquity, from evil, is understanding. Here is wisdom. Here is true understanding. Meet God. Meet God. Think about the price that was paid. Think about the ransom that was paid for your soul. Was it just barely sufficient? Was it just barely enough? It's plenty sufficient. It's more than enough. The provision has been made not by our wisdom, not by man's wisdom, not by joining a church, not by signing a card, not by shaking hands with a preacher, not by being voted into a church. None of these things, but by the grace of God, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's plan of salvation took His only begotten Son to Calvary. The acts of creation... The design of creation, the wonder of creation goes on and on and on. And men are still discovering more and more about it, like the stars we heard about, more powerful telescopes, and then now using radars by which they can uh, send out uh, radio messages, radio impulses, and uh, send that out and bounce it back from stars so far out in space that they can't even see them with a telescope. And know that there are more and more and more out there. All of this is God's creation. All of this God spoke and it was done. But when it came to redemption, He had to give His only begotten Son. When it came to save our souls, it was more than that. Jesus had to go to Calvary. He could have called 10,000 angels and destroyed the world. He could have called a halt at all right there when he stood before Pilate. He could have said, nothing doing. I have the power to make it. I have the power to destroy it. But he went to Calvary. The greatest event of this world when Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator, along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, when Jesus died on Calvary, He died for you. He died for me. What have you done with the provision made? What value do you put on what was wrought at Calvary? What value? Oh, I appreciate that, and someday I want to get saved. You haven't put anywhere near enough value on it. You haven't put anywhere near enough value on it. You need to value the fact that Jesus went to Calvary. You need to value that so much that you'd feel that you would be absolutely worthy of hell tonight if you, w if you went out of this building without praying to get saved. You need to value it as though this is your opportunity, this is your golden moment, this is your time to avail yourself of what God has provided at such an infinite cost and to take the risk of going out and leaving it for some later day why, if you put the right value on, you could never do that. You could never do that. But you'd say right now, 
Right now I must settle. Why God in His love has provided this. God in His mercy has done this. God has made the way possible. What have I done with it? God be merciful. I'm a sinner. I'm condemned. I have sins in my life. And then say, Lord, be merciful to me and help me to be right with Thee and have the true wisdom that cometh from above. God has the provision made, but it all depends upon us. The price has been paid. The price has been paid. The means of redemption has been wrought. We've been trying to preach about it for years and years. It's been going on and on. Sometimes it becomes an off-told tale. But I hope the Holy Spirit will just take it once more tonight and drive it home to your heart that Jesus died for you. He was the Son of God. He was the Creator of the world. And He died on Calvary for you. The price of redemption is an infinite price. And it's sufficient to deliver you from all sin, give you power to go and sin no more. We're going to close with a time of prayer. We always do. The Spirit of the Lord entreats you. God calls you. There is a place of wisdom. There is a place of understanding. There is a solution to the needs of the world. Repent of your sins. Turn to God. Have Him take away all your sins, all your evil, all your transgressions. Be at peace with God. You'll be able to say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Right out of the depth of your heart and be able to speak to God as though He were your Father. Oh, how wonderful. What a wonderful provision made. The door is open tonight. The way is wide open. It all depends upon you. We're going to close this part of the service and have an altar service, a time of prayer. The, the formal part of this meeting will be over, but the time of prayer, the most important time, is still ahead. It's a time of prayer up here at these altar benches, around the front, in the front chairs here, or wherever you can pray. Come and pray. Come and pray. Especially if you're not right with God, come and pray tonight. Find the true source of happiness, of wisdom, the real purpose of living, the real goal at the end when we come to the time of dying. What then? We can have something on the other side. We can be assured, I'm going to meet the Lord. Oh, it isn't a drudgery. It isn't a, it isn't a dark picture. But it's a hope, bless God. There's something on the other side. It's real. We're glad we can tell you about it. The altar for prayer is open.